date to your potential, inspiring, educating, and empowering single members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our hosts are Peggy Matheson, betrayal trauma recovery expert, and Sharon Collier, certified life and relationship coach. Hi, everybody. Today is episode 42. Sharon and I are just going, can you believe it? 42. I can't believe it. And today we're going to be talking about coping with grief. And I think this is a really important part of all of our lives, but we're going to follow it up next week. We're going to do grief and divorce. And then the following week, dating and grieving. So that's a pretty um, important topic that we need to be aware of. And Sharon and I have both been through our own journeys, as you may know, if you've already listened to our podcast, but I just lost my identical twin sister back in January. So three months ago, four months ago, three months ago, and, and Sharon uh, lost her husband 16 years ago, right? And it was to suicide. So complex grief is what you've dealt with. And so we both have personal experience and we wanted to raise the awareness of what is grief and how do you cope with it? So Sharon, take it away. All right. Um, the first thing I want to say is I think one of the general authorities called grief the extension of love. Oh. Without I- love, we would not have grief. And um, we are wired as human beings to grieve. So um, it's just part of our human experience. So that doesn't mean if you're grieving that you're a big baby. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're broken. It means that you're having part of the human experience. Now, I always think about like going back to the pre-existence and thinking we shouted for joy that we got to come here and and we're going to feel all these feelings of, you know, joy and sadness and and we jumped for joy. And I'm going to just say that I don't think anybody jumps for joy that they have to go through grief. That this is part of the human experience. Right. When you say we're we're wired for this, do you mean that it's a natural part of our life that it's naturally like we're built to be able to handle it or what do you mean by that? Yes. So we are wired to grieve, like I said it's a part of love. This is something that we are born with. We are born with well, unless you're like a psychopath, <laughs> you are born right. with right the ability um, to grieve. I don't, I hate to call it an ability because it's, uh, what was that? Capacity. Yes. The capacity. Thank you. I'm like, what is the word I'm looking for? The capacity. We are born with a capacity to grieve. That is part of our human experience and we're supposed to grieve. You know, that, that makes, makes sense. As you're talking, I'm thinking of, you know, when you, when you mute your emotions you don't want, like anger or sadness or whatever, you also mute the joy and the happiness and the love. So in order to feel your feelings, you're going to feel the full range. So that makes total sense that if we're born to love, if we're wired for love and connection, that when that disconnection comes and that love is lost or or that or there there's a sadness that happens because of the loss, then naturally those emotions that we that aren't the ones we really want to feel all the time right, right? right. come up that we're prepared for those that those are a part of the process of yeah. love yes I love, I love looking at it that way yeah and I mean when you're going through it it's really hard to look at it that way um 
Peggy and I just were at my widow widower conference and I was telling her, well, uh, somebody had asked a question. Peggy talked about trauma and um, she used six years as an example for getting through your trauma. And somebody raised their hands and they were like, oh my gosh, is it really going to take six years? And I shouldn't laugh, but I just went, oh my gosh, no. Um, Well, well, I gave that example is if you're still hanging on in six years, it's not a good thing. There's something wrong. Yes, but someone was like, oh my gosh, like it's, I'm going to feel this way for six years. And, and um, I laugh because I've been through it. And especially the first year, you're like, what is going on? And please stop. Um, And anybody who's lost anybody that they've loved, feels that way it's like okay can this be over now this is horrible and painful I call it the cheese grater to the heart if you've ever um, skinned your knee fallen and skinned your knee that stinging that raw stinging or if you've ever been grating carrots on a cheese grater and skinned your knuckle so I I, I'm like that's the only thing I can think of to compare grief to is like a cheese grater on your heart that raw emotion that heavy raw, um, all those feelings, those heavy, heavy feelings. And so um, it's an important um, topic. So I also want to say, as we are supposed to grieve, we are all supposed, we are also supposed to move through our grief. Grief is not a permanent situation. It is not meant to be a permanent situation. It is meant to be a process that we move through. So I definitely want to say that if people are like, it's been six years and I'm still in the same place I was the first day, there is a problem there. Yeah, go get some help. Yes. And it's an up and down process. Yeah, Yeah, it's a messy process. Um, We had a graph at the widow um, conference that um, it went up, but it went up with this major squiggly line. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't a straight like up and forward. Yeah, no, it's it's not. if you cycle back around through it's it, it's up and down and, and all over the place. Yeah. So, uh, can um, I just add one thing here? Oh, if sure. you are still struggling with grief and it's been a long time, like six years, it may be that you have been defending against actually feeling your feelings. You've still been stuck in some of those stages. So reach out and get help. This is a, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and getting help. But well, you do, you, you do need to feel your feelings and move through it. It's a process, like you said, that we're supposed to move through and, de- it is and eventually, yes. eventually get back to normal or yes. our new normal. For I mean, for sure. Um, a lot of people think that moving forward dishonors their spouse or their loved one, their child or their sibling. And that is not true at all. Yeah. If, if we If we believe what we believe and that they're on the other side waiting for us, they're really sad if you are stuck in your grief for years and years and years that they would have caused that. So there's healthy ways to move forward. We're going to talk about a couple of those. But first thing I usually tell people when they lose someone, a lot of people, because it's been so many years for me, will say, will you reach out to this person? And I'm sure I'm fine to do that. The first thing I tell them, though, is to look at the five steps, the five steps of grief, the five stages. Um, Because it's good to know when you're in the middle of one of them that this is normal and natural and this is something you're supposed to be going through. Mm -hmm. So studies are starting to show that not everybody is going to go through all five steps. That's really good to know. And yes, and you're not going to go through them um, consecutively. 
like number one is denial. And that's going to be the first thing you go through. Well, that's really good to know. too. (laughs) Yes, That is not that is not everybody's experience. And you know, we're all born different. We're all different human beings. We were all created different. So it's going to make sense that we go through these different Well, and there's different dynamics in different relationships, how close you were, how far you were, if there was stress in the relationship or not. I mean, it's going to be different for everyone. Yes. Oh, for sure. So let's talk about the five steps really quick. I'm going to go in the order that most of them are listed at. But like I said, it's not necessarily how it's really going to go. Maybe some people aren't in denial in the very beginning. Will you do me a favor? Will you read out the five steps and then let's go back over each one individually? I just want to know. Right. Again, our listeners might want to know what the five steps are right up front. Right. So there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So I read through them and I didn't look any of them up. I just read through them and went, okay, they're not exactly what I thought they were. As I dug deeper, I. I got a better understanding bargaining bargaining. Is that like, Oh, please bring them back and take me instead. Cause that to me would be bargaining and that's not what bargaining is at all. So that's why I wanted to kind of go into them in a little bit of more detail. Yeah, yeah let's do for sure. Um, okay. Let's talk about denial, what denial might look like. Okay. Um, avoidance. We want to avoid thinking about it. Uh, procrastination, that is probably a result of denial, forgetting, easily distracted, um, mindless behavior, video games, things that where you don't have to use your brain, um, or where you get to escape, um, keeping busy all the time, again, that would be part of avoidance, um, thinking or saying I'm fine, or it's fine, like pretending that it's all fine, and that it's not really there. And a lot of times people will say, oh, my gosh, you lost your husband. I'm so sorry. And I would say, oh, my gosh, I'm fine. Because I wanted to comfort somebody else. Is it parsley? You don't even want to talk about it? And it wasn't even that as much as I didn't know. I wanted to comfort them. I didn't want them to feel bad that my husband Mm -hmm. had died, which I have a story about that, if I remember um, at the end. Because, well, yeah, you you know, I felt the need to take care of people who were grieving as well, which is not always the healthiest. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can I can I can see wanting to do that. I I yeah. have done that. Yeah. So yeah. here's a couple of other words that in, in my research that I found on this denial, which is disbelief. Yes. Omnis, helplessness. Um, confusion, inability to concentrate. This has been a big deal for me because my sisters had cancer for five years and I'd gone through my divorce right before she found out she had stage four breast cancer. And so I really, I really recognized this stage, you know, the numbness, the confusion, the video games. I have my own version of doing that. I mean, just disbelief. And I look back on it now and I go, wow, yeah. Yeah, because of course, and of course, we were hoping that it, we, she would be able to overcome it. Right. So, right. well, of course, yeah. So that's kind of okay. What denial looks like, what it feels like, what your feelings you might have are shock and, like you said, numbness, confusion, shutting down. People who get stuck, and I really want to talk about this after we talk about the five steps. We're going to talk about some physical things that happen, but the getting stuck, um, 
is really important. So I have some good ideas for that. And probably Peggy does too, because she's the trauma expert. Okay, next stage is anger. Okay, I relate to anger. I was my husband. So do I. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I think I still I, I don't have the sadness part of grief, but I, I still get I still get quite angry, but I'm not reactive. It's not affecting my life, but I still think about things and just, oh my gosh, and just get kind of mad. So anger, what it would look like is pessimism, um, cynicism, sarcasm, irritability, um, being grumpy, um, aggressive behavior or passive aggressive behavior, um, getting huh. like picking arguments and fights, physical fights even or medicating with alcohol and drugs. And a lot of these, this is a lot of people self-medicate mm. with, you know, with unhealthy things like alcohol, drugs. And I'm going to say dating is an unhealthy thing. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about grief and dating that people will medicate with dating. Mm, I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're inside you, when you're feeling the anger, you're feeling frustration, impatience, resentment, embarrassment often, um, rage and feeling out of control. So we don't want to stay in anger very long. No, we don't. So this I is don't. part of needing to feel it, right? Needing right. And, yeah. I did a lot of walking. I did a lot of walking after my husband's suicide. And like I said, we're going to talk about some coping skills um, in the end. Okay, bargaining. This one I thought was so fascinating because it's like, how, what, bargaining? So bargaining, what it would look like is someone who would be um, ruminating on the past or the future. You know, they hate their past or they're fretting the future. Worrying and overthinking. We all we all know what that looks like, even though we try not to do it. Um, oh my gosh, you know what? I just have to confess, I have really been in that space. We're overthinking and it's not directly related to my sister, but as you're saying that I'm feeling all of this emotion come up overthinking because that's one of my stress responses is I overthink things. And so when I'm in a stressful, so, wow, this is enlightening. Thanks. Overthinking usually goes to the negative. So we don't want to, we don't add more negative to our heavy feelings. Okay. Yes. Yes. Comparing ourselves to others, um, predicting the future and assuming the worst, I guess that would be the same thing as over-futuring. Um, perfectionism, which is interesting. My gosh, I'm so in this, Sharon. I am <laughs> okay. in this right now. Been there, done that. It's like, I know when I was, when I was actually looking all this up, it was like, oh my gosh, because like I said, I looked up the stages and went, yeah, 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 I'm going to go through those. And then actually researching them was a completely different story. Okay. Um, thinking or saying, if only, or I should have, or I wish I had, um, this is part of bargaining. And everybody who loses someone they love does this. Yeah, everybody. I, I, I just wish I'd spent more time. I should have said I love you, you know, and honestly, these feelings don't help us at all. So it doesn't help the person who's passed away either. I mean, not that we're even thinking of that, but right. help them right. or not. So but. that's what bargaining would look like in somebody. What it feels like is guilt, shame, blame, fear, anxiety, and insecurity. And I just have to put this out there to the men. I find that 
I, I, I talk to a lot of widowers um, as clients and I find a lot of them have guilt. They have completely unnecessary guilt and I'm going to tell them why. <laughs> because men are wired to provide and protect. Well, and to multiply, but they're the providers and they're protectors and their spouse most times died in their care. And so they have this guilt and shame that they did not protect because that is in their wiring. That that's, makes total sense. And it's unnecessary. And so you, if I meet a widower, I met a widower and somebody dated him and thought he was a narcissist. And I'm like, oh, I picked that a long time ago. He kept talking about how he was the knight in shining armor for his dying wife. And I'm like, that is not the normal response for most men. I have not talked to one man besides him that had that response to their dying wife. Most are in guilt and shame. And I just want to say, feel that and get rid of it. Yeah, you know, move into you know, it, acknowledge that it's there, but be aware that that's, that's that, just part of the process. So you need to move through it. Yes, you just need yeah. to move through it. Okay, so um, did we talk about guilt, shame, blame, fear, anxiety, and insecurity? Yeah. Yeah. So once again, negative things that we don't need to add to the heavy emotions, okay? Well, so when you say don't need to add, so we are raising awareness that this is a part of the process. So yeah. what you're saying is don't just sit in this and beat yourself up because of it. You know, it talks about ruminating. We, you know, ruminating is part of bargaining. It's like, you know, move through that as fast as you can. What do you need to do to get rid of those feelings? And I hope that once people understand, it's like, oh, I'm a man. This is why I feel guilt and shame. But my wife wouldn't want me to feel guilt and shame. Yeah. You know, she was probably going, oh, my gosh, you did such a fantastic job of taking care of me like that was above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah. You know, she's thinking other things. So what can we do to move through this? Yeah. For, and, and the first step is to acknowledge that that's where you're at and go, it's OK, it's normal and I don't have to stay here. Yes. That, right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, so, you know, it's like moving through anything, any really deep part emotions. Um, depression. And this is a hard one. And I would say most people go through a little bit of this, you know, at least a little bit of this um, sleep and appetite changes, reduced energy, um, reduced social interest, uh, reduced motivation, crying and again, self-medicating. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people go into self-medicating their depression because they don't, you know, and so if you self-medicate with walking and eating healthy, that's a lot different than drugs and alcohol. So it's like you have to be careful how you medicate yourself. Medicating yourself with walking or with laughing with friends is a lot healthier than, of course, drugs and alcohol. Right. So that's what depression would look like if you're looking from the outside in and see this. This is a normal response to grief. This is also where we get stuck and can't move forward. Um what it feels like is sadness, despair, helplessness, hopelessness, disappointment, overwhelm, and of course, being stuck. Yeah. So that's our depression. And then acceptance. So I thought acceptance was finally saying, okay, they're not coming back. Because I remember, I remember the traffic light I was sitting at when I thought I saw my husband and it was about the six month point, I thought I saw his car and I went, cause every time I thought I saw him, I went, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. It wasn't real. But I saw it. I thought I saw him. And all of a sudden it just poured on me like this heavy, I don't know what 
just this heaviest feeling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's not coming back. And I held it together all afternoon for my kids. And I remember crying myself to sleep that night. And I'm like, okay, I've reached acceptance. <laughs> so not necessarily. I mean, it was good that I accepted he wasn't coming back. That was a, a good part of the process. Um, but here's acceptance. Um, mindful behaviors, engaging with reality as it is, uh, being present in the moment, um, able to be vulnerable and tolerate your emotions, assertive, non-defensive, honest communication. I thought that was interesting that they put it that way. Assertive, non-defensive communication. Honest communication. Yes. Adapting. Adapting is good, you know, because guess what? Anybody who loses anything is going to go through a new normal. So adapting is good. Coping. Once again, good. Um, responding skillfully. So what that looks like is uh, or what that feels like. It feels courageous. It feels validating. It feels um, like you have self-compassion, um, pride, and probably a little wisdom. Yeah. Perspective, yeah. maybe perspective. Yeah. Yes. A lot of perspective. So um, those are our five stages. Hopefully that I know like you're going, okay, that's bringing up stuff. And that's good. <laughs> that's good to acknowledge. It's like, okay, you're having a normal response to grief. I'm, um, you know, I'm so grateful because I've been really, I'll be really honest. I've been really on myself. I'm like, I've worked through all this stuff. Of course, that's what happens in life. You know, even though we work through all our stuff, it still keeps coming up. But I, I understand it now. I have a context for it. And it's okay. I can be more accepting of where I'm at when you were talking about that. Right. right. And, yeah. And you just accept that it's a process. And um, I think the people that have the hardest time are the people who um, play the victim. Well, sure, because you continue telling that story over and over again, and you're yes. you're playing a role rather than just letting it go. Yes, and part of our coping skills, I call it the phone a friend, but the people who play the victim, the people who can't move forward, um, usually, generally speaking, get people to come over and do things for them or do special things for them, you know, that maybe they'll help them with daily tasks, or maybe they'll do special things like take them out to lunch, and they're soaking this up. When in reality, they're not moving forward at all. If you're sitting there letting people do things for you and do special things for you, and you're crying about it all the time for extra attention, you're not moving forward. Now, th there would be a period of time where that would be appropriate, but you don't want to stay there, right? No, you, no, and you definitely don't want to stay there. Um, I remember, I remember the year mark very specifically, standing at Jeff's grave. And with the kids and just thinking, look at, we made it. We made it a year and the earth did not open up and swallow us in. Not that I really thought that was going to happen, but it just felt like something horrible was coming up. Yeah. I just remember thinking and feeling comforted. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we made it a year. Oh, wow. You're going to survive. You're going to survive. At that point, you're yes. like, I'm going to survive. Yes. And <laughs> so here. that. You know, and so if I was feeling like the victim, I wouldn't have been feeling that way. I wouldn't, you know, so I just wanted to bring that to the forefront because people who sit and feel like the victim and you, you can identify these people, you know, a mile away, usually 
that they're not, you know, I would be encouraging to people playing the victim to not sit there in it. Yeah. Because they're not moving forward. And they're just going to sit in it for a really long time and probably alone because they really exhaust people. Yeah. And, you know, our friends want to help us. It's being in drama all the time. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, everybody kept asking, what can I do for you? I, I don't know how many hundreds of times I heard that. And it's like most of the time there was nothing. You know, it's like, well, I'm really craving brownies, but you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to tell you. And um, I was just talking to Peggy, my nephew passed away the same year Jeff did. And I remember my sister-in-law saying, people kept coming over and going, what can I do for you? What can you, like, what can I do for you? Well, she had 10 children and she, she sat up and she went, oh my gosh, can you go buy me a couple gallons of milk? It was like, she goes, there was actually something somebody could do for me. She goes, I kind of felt good about that. Everybody everybody wanted to. And she's like, I don't know what even to tell you. And then somebody else came over and she goes, could you go buy me a bunch of newspapers with the obituary? So she came up with things, a few things for people. It was just hard. It was hard to, I don't know what I need. I need someone to take this all away from me because it's really stinks. You You know know what, you know what I, you know what I say is I say, you know, I, I so appreciate you reaching out and that's what I need to know that you're thinking of me makes me feel good. You know, makes me feel like I'm not alone in this. So that would be an appropriate response. If you can't think of something, then just say, Hey, you're reaching out makes a means the world to me. Thank you. I I, I would thank people, but it was like, dang, I don't even know what to tell you. And I feel like the first week anyways, people just showed up with food. I can't even talk about how much food we had. People are like, what can we do for this lady? And I'm like, we got breakfasts, we got lunches, we got dinners. People showed up with lunch meat and bread and cold cereal and milk. And and I'm like, take them food. That was really nice to have. It's nice yeah. to have food. All right. Yeah. So you want to talk about some of the physical? Yes, there's <laughs> physical effects of grief. Um. And some of these you've already talked about, but I think it's really worth repeating all of these. Oh, for sure. Um, Because we need to give ourselves a lot of grace when we're going through this decreased energy. I certainly have felt that. I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Well, okay. Decreased energy, sleep difficulties, either too much or too little or interrupted sleep. Yes. Carefulness and crying, which we've talked about tension and anxiety which I think, you know, I've seen myself do that. And I kind of have had just once, it's just been once in the last few weeks where I've, I've had an anger response to someone that was kind of just kind of out of tension and anxiety. And I, you know, I, I have to chalk that up because there was really no reason, no super big reason for me to be angry. And so I recognized that. And we, we talked about it. It was not bad. You know, we worked through it. So weight loss or gain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lack of physical strength. Oh, I felt that too. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, I have. Um, Physical exhaustion, which would make sense. Lack of physical strength, physical exhaustion. So the thing is that our emotions, this is a whole body experience. Yes. Eating is a whole body experience. And so to recognize that we're going to have physical responses is super important. Feelings of emptiness or heaviness. And I think I felt that probably for years, you know, with this coming on is all that. But especially during the last months and, you know, the, even these last few months, this 
kind of a heaviness on my, on my chest, on my, in my torso area, heart palpitations, huh? Heart palpitations, Interesting. nervousness. Yes. Have you experienced that nervousness? Um, it's kind of like with anxiety there, just worrying about weird things. You know, we talked about the ruminating, the, yeah, right. yeah. Restlessness. I felt that shortness of breath. Oh, forgetfulness. Oh, oh me. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I've been doing we that. About, we can talk about brain fog in a second. I just did a whole uh, thing on brain okay. fog at the conference. <laughs> Lack of concentration. Oh totally, yeah. Totally relate to that. Headaches. Wow. I didn't, I've had some headaches and I never have headaches. Okay. Anorexia or other gastrointestinal disturbances. Interesting. I did. I, I, when I was a little girl, everything went to my stomach. I always had stomach aches. So I remember having stomach aches. Oh yeah. I mean, nothing, I mean, nausea, nothing like that. Just, just, just a tummy ache. I do remember that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then the last one is tightness and or pain in the chest. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely remember feeling the physical exhaustion. Like, you know, I only had enough energy to do certain things. Like once the energy was gone, forget about it. It was just gone. And yeah. I was teaching preschool. I was teaching preschool. I had to go back to teaching three different classes of preschool. <laughs> and that was not, that was not a fun time because literally by the end of the day, I was like, I have energy for nothing else. Literally. Okay. Um, moving on. Should we talk about maybe some of the myths around green? Yeah. Let's just touch on some of those. Um, the, the, the like it's better to ignore or suppress the pain or feelings of grief. Not at all. No, we Talk want about to, just you need to allow yourself to feel them, to move through them. The, the, the emotions, when you feel them, they're meant to be moved, th moved through your body, not stuck there. So that's also true with grief. Um, and here I thought was a really interesting myth. Grief always declines with time, usually in steadily decreasing fashion. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh. I'm going to say absolutely not. It does, it does decline with time if you let it, but not in any kind of steady or decreasing fashion. It's like sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes yeah. it's one step forward, two steps back. You, Which is the healing process, period. That's a true principle for the healing process. So, is. okay, when grief is resolved, it never comes up again. No. No. Oh, okay. Family members and friends always help each other during times of loss. No, that's not true. You would think so, but no. Well, I think people don't, like, people don't always know what to do, but I think when sometimes family and friends that are close to you and they don't know what to do, but they want to, they want it to be gone for you. So they push away. Right. Yeah. I, oh, well, I, I can't tell you how many people told me I was fine. Oh no. It's like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your input there. Yeah. You're really. People fine. You look good. You're fine. Oh, here's another one. Children grieve like adults. That's not true. That is, I, I, I almost think, my children, my littler ones had an easier time. Like they almost grasped that dad was in heaven easier than the rest of us. But you know what? Children grieve differently than adults do. Like they won't cry necessarily though, but they'll act it out in play. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, definitely, definitely acting out, I think, but, um, 
the initial shock of it all, my little ones were like, okay, like dad won't be around anymore. It just seemed like they accepted that fact so much quicker than the rest of us. Like, yeah, they didn't have enough baggage really, to help make, try and hold on to it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe the denial thing didn't. Um, didn't affect them. Yeah, but no, definitely my, my youngest did. He, he spent many years acting out. Oh, okay. I think he's still acting out and he's 22. Oh, no. all right another one bereaved individuals only need to express their feelings and they will then resolve their grief no that's not true no hey expressing intense feelings is the same as losing control that's really important for people to recognize that if you have intense feelings and you express them it's not losing control it's just just expressing your feelings which is important to do well, hopefully you're expressing them calmly. Yeah. Um, well, and in a situation that's appropriate. Yes. So um, another one, there is no reason to be angry at people who tried their best to help your deceased loved one. So I think that's a judgment about your anger that saying, I can't be angry at others who tried to help my loved one, but to allow your anger to come up, but don't do it unhealthily, like don't lash out at them, but it's okay to have that anger. So just to know that that's okay. Only sick individuals have physical problems during grief. That is not the truth. We just talked about that. Yeah. Infant death or miscarriage isn't difficult to resolve because you didn't know the child. Well, that is false. Absolutely. Well, you're grieving their whole life. Yeah. You're grieving the prospect of their whole life. That is not, no. Children should be protected from the pain of grief. Absolutely not. No, they need to process through it just like the rest of us. They need to have their time to grieve. Right. Okay. Funerals, memorial services, and other personal rituals are unimportant in helping us deal with grief in contemporary America. (laughs) They're unimportant. False. No. False. You know, I, I have to say something. When I lived in Kinshasa, I lived in the Democratic Republic of the Congo for a year and during that time, one of our um, one of my colleagues there from Kinshasa lost a loved one, and we were invited to go to the funeral. And it was just packed. There was they 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 have someone who's like running the funeral that's on a microphone, and they had a band that was playing, and they had people come in, and they would just cry and do whatever they needed to do in the procession and they would do this whole ritual thing and I thought how healthy is that right what I mean to be able to give place for that to happen um and I thought that was very fascinating and I think I think if anything I think we don't spend enough time in America giving ourselves the opportunity to really grieve or the opportunity to do it publicly even like they which could be very I think very cathartic and very helpful. Yes, I, I think I think so too, actually. Feeling the pain of loss means you do not have faith in God or trust in your religion. That Ooh. is <laughs> it's false. When I think I, you know what I think I've been bumping up against this though, because I know my sister is happy. I know she's in a better place. I have had multiple experiences of joy and peace around it, but then there's then it's like, well, then I sh- and I haven't been doing this consciously. Your writing but, kicks in. Oh, my writing kicks in. You know? Experience kicks in. Yeah, so it's okay to grieve, even though you have that belief. You know, those yes. in your religion or your belief in God isn't the same. 
you know, you, it's okay to feel a pain and to go through the process. Yes. Okay. Another myth, the intensity and length of your grief is testimony to your love for the deceased. Oh, that's not true. I'm really glad to hear that. No. Well, especially, yeah, the intensity, no. Yeah. So, but this is us giving ourselves permission to have whatever intensity, whatever process we need to go through and not have to justify it at all. Right. No. And it's a, it's a personal thing. I, I literally cried in sacrament meeting for the first four years during the sacrament hymn. And I think I know all the response. <laughs> I I think everybody around me just got used to it, you know. And if I for somehow would make it through the sacrament hymn, somebody's talk would make me cry. And so it's like, you know what? That's just how it's going to be. If I'm going to go to church, I'm going to cry in the sacrament hymn, and then one day I stopped, you know. But that's, I think I mean, that's to recognize that and to be okay with that. Well, you know, you kind of have to be. It's like. Right. It's just, it's like, oh, I'm crying again by the third week. It's like, oh, guess what? You know, and I think a lot of it was gratitude. You know, we're singing the sacrament hymns about Jesus. And I think a lot of two, a lot of times I was just overcome with emotion and, and gratitude that, you know, we were all okay. That's a really good, important point to make that it can be a positive feeling that brings up a lot of emotion. Yeah. You know, it's not just, it's not just crying and sadness, but, you know, gratitude. That's a great point. Okay, if someone has lost a spouse, this is a myth again, he or she knows what it is like to lose a child. Oh, I can't imagine that that's even close. No, that's not. You couldn't compare. It is better to tell bereaved individuals to be brave or keep a stiff upper lip because it will cause them less pain. False. No. No. Losing someone to a sudden death is the same as losing someone to an anticipated death. No. As a matter of fact, I've heard medical profession professionals say it's it's almost better to go through a process like what I went through, where it's a long time in in the coming different pieces of grieving and over time because you yeah. get to say things you need to say, you get to feel those things. I oh, think yeah. death would be really different to to deal with. Okay, since mourning is very personal, it is not important to have support from others during grief. No, not. Nope, that is not. Um, that is definitely not the truth. In fact, I I think we don't rely on people enough. Yeah, you know, we we pull the strong thing, or we try to um, we try to take care of everybody else's grief. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm going to refer back to Jason's Jason Clausen's interview. Where he, talked about, where he talked about the grief team. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that, go back and, and hear what he says about the grief team because the grief the grief team is definitely um it, it's definitely important. Yeah. You know, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's friends or family, or for him, that was other people that loved his wife as well. You know, I found it easier when I was cleaning out Jeff's stuff to have people that didn't know him there because the people that did know him that were helping me just were sad too. And so it's like, I had to send them home and bring in people that never met him. And that was actually, that was actually an easier process for me. Wow. That's interesting. You know, sense. you know, it was like, okay, you guys are just depressing me. It's just making it more sad, you know, kind of thing. So it's like, it is a personal journey. It is a personal journey. I you know, remember, when I was, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I remember thinking, 
um, between finding Jeff and the funeral, we had a week. We had a little bit longer. We found him the day before Thanksgiving, and then I think we buried him the following weekend after Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but I remember in that time, my six-year-old doing something funny and me laughing. And I, I remember thinking, I shouldn't laugh. This is a solemn time. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I just lost my husband to suicide. I can feel about this however the hell I want to feel. That's right. And it's like, and I hope everybody feels that way. You just feel how you want to feel toward it. I wanted to laugh in that moment. So I did. You know what? This reminds me years ago when I was, I think, 19 or 20 before I got married. I had a, a, a friend who was could have been a mother to me. I mean, she had her own children, um, but she lost her husband and she was a very fun, funny person. And she laughed a lot and she she made people laugh. And I mean, she, you know, that was her maybe joy and understanding what her religion and her belief in God and where he was and all of that. But that was part of her way of, of coping with it. That was healthy for her. So yeah. it doesn't have to look the same for everyone. Right. And it's, it's the truth, but I just thought, why would I make this a solemn occasion when I want to laugh right now? You know, and I was trying to be a good example for my kids and I was trying to be strong and I'm like, no, we need to laugh. And my husband was a funny guy. So the last thing he would want us to do is stop laughing, you right. know? Right. So but I remember just, I remember that awakening really early on. I get to feel about this however I want. And so I'm going to, and I'm going to have my own journey. Um, should we talk about some coping skills? Yes, let's do. Okay. Because we need to get through this, right? We're, we're moving forward. Um, coping skills. A lot of people use humor. We just talked about laughing. I I had a friend call me and just say, oh my gosh, make me laugh. And I was like, what? She's just having a rough day. Make me laugh. And I was like, okay. So I told her a story about falling down my stairs and somehow I turned right, hit the rug like I was sliding into home base and then hit my front door. And <laughs> Peggy's laughing because she knows me. And my friend started laughing and she was okay. It's like we just switched some chemicals around in her brain a little bit and but she knew she could call me because I've got a million of those kind of stories and, and um she she laughed and we talked and she was good to go so humor I'm sometimes sitting in front of your favorite funny movie that movie that always makes you laugh if you're having a really down day go to something that just makes you laugh because you're changing your brain chemicals you're changing your brain chemicals yeah, great idea. Walking and exercise. So I walked a lot after my husband's suicide. I found out that he had embezzled a whole lot of money from his company on top of the suicide. Wow. And I, I remember walking a lot, a lot, a lot of walking. And strangely, um, I don't know if you prescribe this, but I was talking to a guy who had lost his wife. It was a very public thing because the helicopter that recovered her body almost crashed. Um, he was in my widow group. And I said, you seem really well adjusted. And he said, I just wanted to walk. He goes, I just wanted to walk. And he actually went out with a lady that was a trauma therapist. And she said something about the movement with your arms. Absolutely. Oh, and, absolutely. And your legs. Um, but I think movement, period. But walking is absolutely yes, such. So uh, walking is so valuable 
anyway, but yeah. because of the brain and the body connection and the left and the right and the processes through mm-hmm. absolutely being out in nature and walking is even better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, walking, but movement, getting the feelings out of your body is such an important part of trauma. If, you know, trauma release is allowing your body to move. And we've talked right. about. So, yeah. So I, I also had dancing, turning on some loud music and yes. dancing it out. Um, Jesus music. I've used Jesus music probably since Jeff died. Um, YouTube, just I have my Jesus music playlist. And Jesus music helps us focus. Practicing our spirituality helps us focus better. And so when you're in brain fog, which we didn't really talk about, which I can, I was really going to talk about that more with the dating thing. Um, but we're in brain fog and we're having a hard time focusing. Um, I'm going to say go to your Jesus music. Um, practicing optimism. So this is kind of a fake it till you make it thing because I have a story. Tell me the story. <laughs> I have a story. I, right after Jeff died, I had to go back to teaching preschool and it was at a charter school. So lunchtime, I would eat in the staff lunchroom. Well, when I'd walk in after teaching preschool, the ladies, the teachers or the earlier grades were in there already eating. And their response to me was always really sad. And one lady, in fact, she would well up, her eyes would turn red and her nose would turn red every time she saw me. And so I had to go into take care of these ladies. I had to take care of these ladies. And so on the way to school every morning, I would think of things that made me happy because I would wake up most mornings. I would stand in the shower too long. I would stand in front of the mirror too long and go to school with wet hair a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I would think of things on the way to school that made me happy. Oh my gosh, look at that cute dog behind the fence. That makes me happy. Oh, the clouds are so pretty today. That makes me happy. And I would literally think of things that made me happy until I got to school so that I could take care of, well, number one, I needed to be able to teach preschool, but so I could take care of the ladies in the lunchroom. And, you know, so they could see, oh no, she's happy. Look, I feel bright today because there's a lot of things to be happy about. So um, it was kind of like fake it till you make it. You know, I just look at things to be happy about and pretty soon I just felt better. So um, practicing, practicing optimism. And I actually ended up not eating there anymore because the ladies were always sad when I walked in. I thought I can't do this for them anymore or for me. So I ended up eating by myself. Sometimes I do little pep talks and this is just me kind of Uh generally like everything's Uh going to be okay. It's a great day. It's going to be a great day. There's going to be awesome things happening or whatever. I, you know, and I'll I'll just start talking out loud and pepping myself up and, you know, that's, that's a part of that positive self-talk. Yes. I mean, and you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna help you through. Okay. I call this the phone a friend again. Um, another little story and everybody who's lost their husband's going to relate to this. Well, most everybody, um, I had, we talked about the energy. I had so much energy to get through my day and I would get through my day And I remember, I think I told you about this. I could wash laundry, but getting it folded was completely beyond me. Now, I didn't get to sleep till probably two in the morning. I could have been doing all sorts of things, paying bills and laundry and all this other stuff, right? But it was just beyond me. We ate cold cereal, I think, breakfast, lunch, and dinner most times, or (laughs) something similar, ham and cheese sandwiches kind of thing, just to get everybody food and everybody. But um, I had four laundry baskets full of clothes in my family room, which was funny because the sectional was about big enough to hold 
four laundry baskets or the family room had this sectional with space for four laundry baskets and we would go and grab our clothes in the morning and flip them and hope they weren't wrinkled and off we would go we had a sock basket so my um my battery died and I called my brother-in-law and sister-in-law Jeff's sister and his her husband and had him come over and she's like Sharon how are you doing and I'm like I cannot get my laundry folded and she goes I'll come fold laundry with you and I went okay and she came over the next day and folded my socks she tackled my sock back and I just talked to her while I folded my laundry okay I'm gonna say use a phone a friend when you're stuck she didn't do it for me she did it with me so don't call your mother because your mother's going to come over and do it for you and that gets you nowhere but mm. accomplishing small tasks knocking things off your list helps you produce dopamine and I didn't know this and so if you need if you are stuck and can't do it on your own phone a friend hey can you and the friend that likes to clean I have a lot of friends that like to clean can you come help me clean my house can you come sit with me while I make three dinners for the next three nights. Use your phone a friend. There are people who want to help you and there are people who come over and would cook with you. I know several friends said they couldn't cook. You know, mm -hmm. it took them a long time to like be able to focus enough to say, okay, I'm gonna put all this together and make a casserole or whatever. So use your phone a friend. Your phone a friend is gonna be a valuable coping, coping skill. That's a great idea. I love that. Okay. There's also support groups. If you need to go be with people of similar situations and talk it out, go to support groups. Um, I just talked about this, making lists of small tasks. We don't wanna try to eat the whole elephant. Small tasks and completing them. That helps our, produce our dopamine. Um, when I coach widows that are stuck, a lot of times we break it down to the tiniest of tiniest things. And this sounds ridiculous to most people, but like say they wanna get their bills paid. I'll say, what does that take? And they'll say, well, I have to separate them from, I have to separate them from the rest of the mail. And I'll say, okay, we're doing that Tuesday. Well, and then I have to open them up and write a check. Okay, we're doing that Wednesday. And then I need to, you know, put a stamp on them and mail them. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna do that Thursday. And that sounds ridiculous to most of us. But you know what usually happens is once they've separated the mail, once they've done that step and know they have to report back to me, they just get it all done at the same time. Hmm. And they just conquer it, which sounds funny that we conquered our bills. But if you talk to somebody who's deep in their grief, that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. This you is know? this has been something I've been dealing with. And I have started saying just one thing. I just yep. need to do one mm -hmm. thing. Just do one just thing. Do one thing today. I just need to accomplish, you know, and baby steps is really important in the work that I do when I coach clients with betrayal trauma. Um, baby steps is where we're is where you're headed. Baby steps are powerful, just one little thing at a time. But just not, you know, I've separated paying bills into three days to not overwhelm. When they paid their bills, they did all three steps in one day. And they were like, when they reported, they were all happy about it. And which again, sounds funny to those of us who haven't been through this, you know, they're like, they did all three in one day, ha, huh? you know, and it's like, good for you, yeah. you know, because it is a big deal. When you're in that place in your head, and you're stuck and having a hard time moving forward, that is a big deal. So we shouldn't discount that at all. Okay. Um, planning activities, to look forward to. My friend Julie did this. 
And she said they do something once a month and they all look forward to it. Whether it was like a staycation, something in town, or whether it was a trip out of town, having stuff to look forward to. Once again, dopamine is our anticipation hormone that actually helps us, that actually helps us get going. Um, okay, honoring your spouse. May attributes to them, sending balloons off with messages, um, saying nice things on social media, honoring your loved one is a great one. What did you do the other day when you slipped into Pe Penny's dress? Yeah, I honored her, and I wore some of the I wore some of the the jewelry last night that she that I ended up actually at some pearls that her husband gave me that he had given her. Yeah. And, and I wore those, I wore those yesterday and a sweater. Yeah. 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 You know, any way you want to honor your loved one, you know, honoring them is actually one of our coping skills. It, you know, it, it's going to help us process through that. Um, and then we have the atonement. We can't let the atonement go to waste. You know, Jesus did all the suffering for us already. So sometimes we got to give, give it back to him. We have to call upon all the time, to, all the time. you know, to, um, yes, to help us through that. And, that, you know, that's an important step that we shouldn't, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I missed church three weeks in a row because I was too sad or whatever. I, I can't use the atonement. And that's not true. You know, that's, that's a, that's something that I think we probably, a lot of us do a lot is we discount that we we have to be like righteous to use the atonement. We have to be perfect. Yes, use the atonement of Jesus Christ, and that is not true. Um, to to even in our even in, in our weakness, in our um, sadness, in all you know, in all of the the stuff we don't understand, yes. to try and turn it over to Him. But I'm going to ask you a question. Sure, this is super important to me, but. What do you do? What does it look like for you to turn it over to Jesus Christ? I always wondered that when everybody's like, use the atonement. I got myself in a place where I remember crying out to Heavenly Father now. Now Heavenly Father would be a good time to use the atonement. And I went to sleep and I was fine. I remember, I remember that very, I remember the very first time I thought, what does that look like? And how do I use it? And I'm like, I don't even care. It's like now heavenly father, now I need it. So that's a part of my prayers. That's a part of my prayers. Yes. And I've, um, I appreciate that. That's I, cause I always like to ask people, how does that, what does that look like for you? And, um, for me, one of the ways that I've done it is I picture and imagine the savior standing in front of me. And I imagine taking whatever that is out of me and, and imagine it maybe has a color or, or it looks like just light or something. And I, and I physically give it to him and I pray oh. that he will take it. And that, I mean, that has had, that has worked almost immediately. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just, I don't know. It was just a moment of great pain for me that it was like something has to give here, you know, and as an adult, you know, and as a widow, it's, you know, so yeah. So however, however you use it, however you utilize that is, is perfect. Yeah. You know? 
It's your own. And I, and I think um, allowing ourselves, for me anyway, I think recognizing that it's okay to use it all the time. Yeah. Well, if, if they're you, actually supposed to use it all the yeah, time, he suffered for all of it. It's going to waste if we don't use it. I should and say, so, use him all the time, his power and his ability to help us yes. all the time. And I, I know with what I've been going through lately, honestly, it's been like, how do I sometimes, and I think this is a part of grief too, is we disconnect from God. Yes. And so, so if that's happening for you, just recognize that that can be a part of the, that's also a part of the process, but to give yourself some grace and to just like you would communicate with a friend, I've got to disconnect from you right now. I don't want you to go away, but help me to you know, reconnect at some point or, you know, I mean, have that conversation with Heavenly Father in prayer. Um, but yeah, that can be a part of, of grief as well as disconnecting from God. Yeah. So, Where that is counterproductive, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And figure out your way of your relationship with your Savior and what you need from that, how you can access that power and that healing for you, for yourself in this time of grief or in those times of grief. Yes, for sure. Um, few things to avoid really quick before we close. Um, avoid medicating with negative things. I'm going to say shopping is one. Do not medicate with spending money. Um, dating. We're going to do a whole thing about grief and dating and widow fog. Um, a lot of times people think they can fill the hole in their heart when honestly, we just need to adjust to the hole in our heart being there, you know, and be able to move on. Um, course, drugs, alcohol. Um, and I'm going to add into that toxic friends. We all have those friends that we think, oh, yeah, I have time to talk to you today. Guess what? You don't have to talk to them or you don't have to hang out with them. You can just say not today. You know, I'm not up for it today because you don't want anything extra that's going to bring you down. That's right. Or, you know, during all these heavy That's emotions. a boundary. That's a boundary right there. Make yep. sure you yourself in that. Which is hard. But yeah, you know, self-care is super important. And if you're um, not sure about self-care, we talked about six different points of self-care in a podcast a few weeks ago. So look that up. But self-care is extremely important Absolutely. During, during this time. Is there anything else that you want to add, Maggie? Um. You know what? I actually have sitting in my lap right now a heart-shaped stone that I can show Sharon. I can't show all of you guys that um, that I was drawn to. I went on a trip, drove uh, to Arizona a week or so ago, and I really was drawn to this. And it was a grounding stone. And I don't remember the name of it. Otherwise, I would say it. But it really helped me. It's really helped me. I just kind of hold it close to me or have it close and I'm rubbing it. And it just really helps me to kind of handle some of the emotion. Not that I'm super emotional right now, but, but I just, um, that is something that I've used recently that's helped me as well deal with some of, some of the, the emotions that have come up for me. So there may be other things. I know there's probably essential oils and, you know, things you can do and, you know, in your environment that might help you. Oh, and there's, I mean, if you have found a coping skill that I haven't listed, if any, you know, if anybody has use those as, as, as long as they're healthy, as long as they're helping you through it and not keeping you stagnant or harming your body. 
Right. I think also reaching out when the time is right, when, when you need to get out of your stuff and this is part of your self-care, knowing yourself well enough, reaching out and say, Hey, you know, what can I do for you today? Or reaching out and helping someone else. Yes. And a service it's getting outside of yourself. Where grief is so in go, you go inward so much with grief service would be getting out of yourself. Yeah. And then, and you, and dosing that for yourself, you know, when, when, when is a good time to allow yourself to feel all your feelings. And then when is it time to step out and reach out and help other people? Right. So yeah, that would, those would be my thoughts. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot more as people, um, think about this. I think the number one thing is to allow yourself the process and don't shortchange yourself and don't say, well, I should be over this or I should be going through this or just step back and just allow it to happen. And I've tried really hard to do that. And I think because I haven't really understood in some ways, I don't think I've really understood the connection I've had with my sister because we're identical twins. Right. And that has been a process for me to go through. And, uh, and it's been hard. I just will honestly say it's been hard to really allow myself the full process that I need to, to grieve, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, but this is a really good reminder to, that we all, we all have our own processes and it, it could even be years down the road that something triggers a moment of grief. And so we've just got to allow it to be whatever it is, right? Yes, yes. It just, as long as it's moving. When you start feeling like it's stuck and it's not moving, are you spinning in the same spot, you know, where it feels like you're moving, but you're really not? Or are you just going forward in a straight line and it's not moving up? It's, you know, you're not feeling that relief, you know, reach out and get some help because there's a lot of help available. And support groups are a good place to start, actually, you know. Yeah. Okay. People like Peggy that know how to help through your trauma. So and Sharon that know how to help through your grief. So (laughs) all right. Um, Thanks for listening. Next week we're gonna do grief and divorce. And then dating and grieving will be the week after that. So stay tuned. All right, bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it inspired you on your dating journey. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit from what you've heard today and subscribe to our channel. Check out our website at datetoyourpotential.com and take our free quiz to see if you are dating to your potential. We want you to know you are not alone. We support you. We are in this with you.